Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, I'm Michael Chakraverty. And I'm Mark Watson. And welcome back to Menkind, where we chat to a range of brilliant guests about masculinity. Some of them are men, some of them aren't men, and some of them aren't particularly bothered either way. We're interested in men. Yes, obviously you are. And what makes them tick? Where does masculinity come from? How does it affect us? And how could we be better? We might not get a final answer, but we'll have a bloody good go at it. Won't we, Michael? Oh, we'll do our best. Well, hello again, everybody, and um, hello, Michael. Hello, Mark. Welcome back to the country. Thank you. I'm very, very recently back in the country, um, as in the past few hours, but the podcast must go on, must it not? (laughs) Yes, indeed. The podcast waits for no man, um, especially not this man. Who do we have today? Um, Do you genuinely not know, or is this um, just one of our ingenious... (laughs) No, I... I (laughs) <laughs> I do know I was setting I know you, you up. Know. I was trying to do professional it podcasting. It was quite professional. We have some fun, don't we? Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> it's uh, Luke Kempner this week, who we don't. We try not to have very many straight people. In fact, you recently told me that you didn't know any straight people. Um, but now and again, one slips in, and uh, this is Luke. Yes, a brilliant comedian impressionist, and he's got lots of interesting thoughts, which we will let you enjoy. But before we do, we must say a, a big welcome to our latest page. Did we agree that it was a patron or a Patreon? I think it's a Patreon, but I think you think it's a patron. This is how I think it breaks down, Michael. The um, website is called Patreon, and the individuals are called patrons. And I, I accept that is quite fiddly, but I think that is how it goes. It just feels like a misbranding opportunity. But regardless, welcome to Con. Thank you for joining us. I think that's maybe short for something. Or maybe it's not. Who knows? It could be Connor. Um, it could be sort of Connie or something. Or it could... Or Conley. Yes, or Conley. I mean, we don't know. But anyway, um, thank you for joining us, Con. Yes, indeed. And without much further ado, here is Luke. Well, it's a bright spring morning, certainly down here in the south. I'm Mark Watson. Further north is, as usual, Michael Chakraverty. Hi, Michael. Hello to you. It is sunny here. I have just looked outside for the first time and it is, I believe, sunny. You still have spring. (laughs) And we are joined by none other than, in fact, quite literally, Luke Kempner. Hi, Luke. How are you? Hello, thank you very much for having me. Nice to see you on Zoom and speak to you. Very nice. It's quite rare someone's begun by saying nice to see you. I like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Begrudging, isn't it, normally? Like, fine, yeah. People don't always say it's nice. (laughs) It augurs well for the chat. (laughs) Well, I mean, first things first, Luke, who the hell are you? Uh, I'm Luke Kempner. I'm a comedian, impressionist, singer, presenter, friend, 
and that's me. Oh, plenty. Show off. That's plenty. Yeah. <laughs> it's not being a show off to say that you're a friend. I don't think it's, it's. No, 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 no. Exactly. A good friend. A very good friend. Really? Yeah. No, I'm. I'm rating myself as a good friend. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's one of the most important qualities you can lay claim to. I think. What makes a good friend? Mm. I think loyalty. Someone that doesn't call you after nine o'clock. Um, AM or PM? PM. PM. Oh, you're a timely friend. Yeah, <laughs> timely friend within friend working hours. <laughs> right, yeah. Do you have an out of office that goes on after that? I do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Although <laughs> I occasionally call people after gigs when they've gone badly and they're like, why are you calling me? And I'm like, a joke didn't work. <laughs> it's true though, if you're a comedian, it's very difficult to keep to friend hours because you can very easily have a crisis. <laughs> yeah, easily the wrong side of 9pm. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It feels like a good time to ask the first question because it is the beginning. What do you think of when we say the word masculinity? What springs to mind? Well, you know, I think very much back to sort of when I was sort of 13, 14. I was was very, I went through puberty very late for my sort of year. So like, I was sort of about five foot with a squeaky voice until I was about sort of 15. And um, so I sort of think about competitiveness I think about trying to be strong trying to fit in trying to be masculine and sort of and I remember a specific time trying to give piggyback rides to girls uh, who were taller than me you weren't physically equipped to do it at this stage. <laughs> no, it's, it is quite hard to give a girl a piggyback ride when their feet are still touching the floor <laughs> yeah doesn't really count technically as a piggyback I don't <laughs> it's, think. it's not well it, it's a piggyback but it's not a ride did you try the wheelbarrow that could work oh I could have gone wheel I should have offered I don't think Jamie Brown who the love of my life at the time wanted to do the wheelbarrow to be uh, and also it's quite a weird look to show up at school with a wheelbarrow isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> to put some girls in yeah. <laughs> yeah for me it's very and it is toxic masculinity but it is that competitiveness and sort of you know if are you strong enough and if you're not you're going to be called a girl if you're not you're going to be called gay so it was lots of that and especially you know like I'm a musical theatre loving lad and so you know I was called gay for the entirety of uh, of my school years which felt very sort of toxic masculine at its worst. It's quite a tough draw when you're the boy that hasn't grown as much as the other boys, isn't it? It's a very tricky stretch between about 12 and 14 if you're because you can't make it happen. <laughs> and it's such a strange period of time because everyone's developing at different paces. You know, like I look the same as I did before the summer holidays and then you've got like Ben, who's got a beard <laughs> and looks like he works at HSBC. So, like, it is. it used to be very frustrating. Yeah. I, I, I used to get really jealous of armpit hair. I remember, like, some of the lads had armpit hair and I was like... Oh, I'd love armpit hair because then the girls would fancy yeah. me. What have I got to do to get some of that sweet armpit hair, you'd ask yourself. And it's like when you get older, you're like, oh, I've got some armpit hair now and the chicks dig it. The equivalent of the HSBC guy in our class was called Simon and he was one of the first people I saw on, on that first day at school. And he, again, at 11, he already had a beard oh. and all of it. And I remember thinking, right, either he's too far ahead or I'm a long way behind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And actually, it was that he was too far ahead. He was a, a freakish specimen. But you, oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, you see, like our school, we just had the one, Ollie, and he only his voice dropped. <gasps> so everyone else was kind of up here and he was right oh. down there. And it, he was the odd one out in our school. Yeah, was... presumably those people, the early developers, had a, a different set of insecurities, but you never think that. <laughs> yeah. when, when you're the one that's not changing, you just assume you're behind in the race, don't you? Right. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, I, I just, I, I was just so late and so much shorter than everyone else and like you know I've developed I mean I'm not I'm not Dwayne the Rock Johnson but you know I've developed into a a, a five foot eleven strapping young chap you're a respectable height Luke 
thank you. I never wake up in the morning and think that Luke Canton is still not grown, is he? <laughs> yeah, exactly. When will he grow? <laughs> Embarrassing. <laughs> but I just, I just hated it, and it just seemed to me that masculinity was just all about wanting the girls to fancy you. And it was the trouble is being short, loving musical theatre, and not being able to give a piggyback ride. Just it didn't, it didn't work out well for me. That's the three main boxes you're not ticking. <laughs> they are. That's what's on the Tinder profile. Yeah. <laughs> so where did you see like competitiveness? Where was that? Was that just in the school playground? Where was that? It just felt like it was everything, you know, whether it was who was playing in the the A team for the football, who had completed Snake on their 3210, like just everything. <laughs> I was last. You know, my mum and dad didn't have very much money as well. So like, you know, I always had sort of rubbish clothes compared to other, it, what felt like it. Um, so, and it just felt like everything was this competitive thing between boys. And it's funny now because of, you think, oh, the girls, they're just going to fancy him because he's so strong and he's so this and he's got a new Reebok shirt. Like, but it, actually, they probably didn't care at all. Yeah, the girls mm. had their own ideas. <laughs> they, they were also worried about themselves. We couldn't know that because we couldn't really talk to them. <laughs> no, no, oh, God, no. Imagine that. Absolutely not. <laughs> Is it a timeless thing I wanted? That obviously, when we talk about this fairly often on the podcast, the gap between genders is narrowing quite a bit and these successive generations of kids are growing up with a much less binary idea of boys do this girls want this than we had but I wonder if still that thing of physical strength as being desirable I wonder whether that trumps everything I wonder whether like this crop of boys still think like that it's hard to know my kid is 12 and he definitely is he's sort of medium height and size but you can sort of see even among those boys there's a hierarchy just based on who's tall and how deep people's voices are so I think maybe that is something we can't escape from but it is interesting to ask if that's true because so much is changing but I don't think it's always about strength I think competitiveness is just winning and I think you know it would even if it was who's the best at FIFA you know it was just everything was about who's the best and if you weren't the best you were not bullied necessarily but just just called names made to feel weaker because you weren't the best and you you are right that that example of playing snake like competing snake on your phone I mean there's not much of that is to do with physical strength unless you're smashing (laughs) the phone really hard yeah yeah, exactly (laughs) you must break through that wall (laughs) and I just think that I would like to you know my my daughter's uh, five months old but before we found out what gender she was going to be I was worried you know if it was going to be a boy I was like I'm really I would love to teach him how not to be like that how not mm. to be so competitive and how it doesn't matter and and how yeah. lots of boys if they actually said oh do you know what I, f- I feel really sad when when you, you call me a big girl's blouse like maybe I'm going oh yeah I feel sad too and then they sort of maybe there wouldn't be so much of it especially if they all have identical squeaky voices like that <laughs> yeah exactly yeah that is a very accurate impression Common of ground. you still get called big girls blouses as well that feels like a very 1990s yeah, well I, I suppose it's big girls blouse big girls jesse I think are the, are the main two. Oh, yeah. I didn't. I didn't hear that one. It goes Jesse. I don't think we had that. What either. does that mean? Do you know? I think it's just a very. I sort of just imagine that's what sort of Boris Johnson and and his mates would call wow. it. Are you big girls, Jesse, and that sort of thing? So yeah, yeah, for yeah. me, it's uh, yeah, it's probably too posh for me actually. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get an ear for how kids sort of insult each other now. Because again, I've got like now I've got my 12 year old with his budget mates, but it's hard to decode a lot of the. We had a football party for his birthday recently, and there was very little like girls blouse or very little kind of oh the losers are gay or any of that which is reassuring that's good but on the other hand there was a bit where one guy like dribbled past another guy like really left him for dead and one of the kids called out that is a violation you've been violated man (laughs) and I thought I don't think that's a step up actually I think you should probably get out of the habit of like gloating and using that word (laughs) but surely do they still use things like you throw like a girl 
or or like you you play football like a girl. So there was a school in Birmingham recently that banned that kind of ooh, wording ooh. and um, oh man up and boys don't cry and they stopped teachers from saying good morning boys and girls or stopped trying to keep them separate and just say good morning everybody and they have banned that in that school. I think from friends who are teachers, there is less of that in the playground mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in terms of separation between boys and girls in that sense. There will always be pockets of it everywhere and things like that. But I think what you're saying is right, probably, Luke. There's a kind of an element of just competitiveness and you want to be the best at whatever it is, whether it's listening to musical theatre or whether it's football or whether it's yeah. uh, being alone, in which case lots of us won that game. Yeah, um, yeah, but... yeah. <laughs> well, again, with listening to musical theatre, you're likely to win, but it's just a, a fairly empty victory at school. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think as well that, you know, I don't want to sort of discourage kids from wanting to be the best but it's just this Mm. thing of like if you lose you need to feel awful about yourself and I think that's what it felt like quite often yeah and either way it has to be manifested in some sort of violence yeah yeah, again um I've got a close friend who's a teacher and he was saying the other day uh that he reckons there's just less much less playground fighting than when we were at school that there's just there's just less physical fighting than these days and he wasn't able to say why but maybe maybe there is a sense that that we've passed the absolute apex of boys asserting themselves by just smashing each other in the face. Maybe It's funny, I just cannot believe that. No, <laughs> just... I, I, I was startled by it. From my own experience, it was like you lived in fear most days. And it's not even like I was just the kid that was always bullied. It's just that there was always some sort of fighting, punching going on. Mm. Yeah, I was very surprised when he said it. He always said it with a certain wistfulness, like, ah, I can't remember the last time I saw a good old fight in the playground. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yes, that's annoying. <laughs> I got punched and he had a ring that was a horseshoe. So he punched me in the head and he then went around calling me a horseradish because he punched me with this horseshoe ring. <laughs> Double like, insult. I know. I don't know what was worse, the pain or being called horseradish for the rest of that year. I don't think I knew what a horseradish was when I was at secondary school. No, no. Yeah, it's that. a pretty niche put down, isn't it? Yeah, on a lovely condiment. <laughs> <laughs> How long was it before you started to Shake rise off. above? Yeah. <laughs> when, when did you start, not the horseradish specifically, but when did you start thinking, ah, oh, it's all right for me to be a man on my own terms? Do you know what? I think I remember sort of, it was just called gay, called gay constantly. You know, I think they were just a bit annoyed because I would be in all the musicals and all the shows, but with all the girls that they fancied. So I think there was a little bit of jealousy in yeah. there. And eventually I just sort of thought, well, I'm not doing anything wrong and and sort of owned it a bit more as I got older. Um, and But, I, you know, I don't think you ever sort of get over it and not in a kind of depressing way. It's just I've always felt like, oh, I'm trying to be this and trying to be that. And actually the birth of my daughter is the first time I sort of had this realisation of, oh, I don't need to be a certain thing. I just need to love my child and love my wife. And, and that's, that's all I can do, you know. So I feel like very recently is, is where I've sort of had the moment of clarity. Mm. I suppose this is a fairly sort of cliched therapist's question to ask you, but would you say that the fact you spent quite a lot of your life doing impressions has anything to do with that instinct to sort of be something else well this is i have a line about this in my show this you know people that just say oh you know you just need to be yourself be the best version of you which is not great advice for an impressionist (laughs) exactly or failing that be (laughs) the best tony blair be boris johnson yeah 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 so i think it is a bit especially like you know starting out in comedy a lot of the early impressions you know i'm there i'm gonna do some now because why not you know i start doing alan cole you know somebody doing michael mcintyre that kind of thing because you're like oh good because no one can see me they can see Mm. me doing an impression 
definition of a very successful comedian. So then I am a successful comedian. And yeah. I, I, I think there was a bit of that at the start and a bit of fear of showing people who I was. But now I love being myself on stage because actually it's it's the, you know, we're trying not to sound so wanky, but, you know, that truth on stage is, is the funniest thing. Can't help um, thinking, Michael, that with an impressionist as talented as this in our circle, we could claim to have people like Michael McIntyre and Alan Carr on the podcast. And, maybe we uh, just get Luke just, on every single week. Yeah, <laughs> no one can see us. <laughs> we just shut down the Patreon stuff, said that they weren't available for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I'm free for the day, so we could uh, do a few more. <laughs> Who would you want, Mark? <laughs> this Actually, I mean, Coop and I did make a sitcom pilot once, which was radio, and Neil Morrissey was in it, as like as in the character of Neil Morrissey was. And right. we obviously couldn't get him, so Luke did that for us. So there is a precedent for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who would I want? I mean, I don't know. I, is it a stretch to do Obama? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yes. You can't on the fly, but if we gave you some time. Oh, God, yeah. You can have what you want, you know, just with a couple of days' prep, absolutely. <laughs> if know. anything, Michael, our bigger problem is trying to convince people on socials that we've, that we've got. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, let's see where we go. Regular listeners, if you notice that our guest list suddenly <laughs> spikes in a remarkable direction, then... Uh... <laughs> yeah. I'm really interested in the being called gay at school thing, because... I was called gay at school, but I was. Yes, <laughs> So yes. it was kind of like, cool, great. But you were called gay and you weren't. Like, what was that like for you? Did that change how you kind of experienced school? It's interesting to talk about it on a podcast because I, I've tried to write about it on stage and I think it's quite a hard thing to write about when you aren't gay. Yeah, yeah. without right. seeming like you become part of the problem. Yes, exactly. And that's the thing, you know, it feels like a thing of, well, you weren't, so what have you got to complain about? Right. And mm. I sort of feel like I didn't get the good stuff of being gay because <laughs> I was <laughs> yeah. bully for it, but then I didn't get the fruits of it afterwards. <laughs> what was an apt word, the fruits of it? Yes, it quite... <laughs> <laughs> Yes, Michael's had some of the fruits. So I, <laughs> I have assembled a few fruits. <laughs> yeah, and then disappointed many men I met in musical theatre when I did that. No, I'm straight, I'm afraid. Uh, so, you know, it was weird because you sort of, I remember at the time, you know, I was surrounded by a lot of gay people being in, you know, doing lots of amateur dramatics and stuff like that. And I always found it a weird thing to sort of go, well, stop calling me gay. What a horrible thing to call me. Because mm. you're like, I don't feel like it's a horrible thing to call me. And then you're sort of going, but I'm not. Mm. Yeah, I can imagine it being quite frustrating. You can't really escape from it either because it's either the lady do you protest too much or if you don't say anything at all and people think you are. Did it affect your relationships with women at all? Yeah, definitely. When you're up? Because I became friends with all the girls, but I never went out with them. Right. <laughs> because yeah. another clear gay red flag story of my life uh, to be fair yeah I know exactly and yeah, but again the there's a big difference Michael <laughs> <laughs> but I was just my mates would always go out with them but I talked to their girlfriends more than, than they did mm, right I, I remember once we had a mate of mine my very good friend with the beard he and the armpit hair but he <laughs> um, he had a girlfriend and I spoke to her on the phone every night for hours and I was <laughs> full on in love with her um, and I told her I had a phone in my bedroom so I was always talking to her on the phone in my bedroom and he just they hardly had any conversations but then he said to her he goes oh you know Luke hasn't actually got a phone in his bedroom and she was like oh what I heard you haven't actually got a phone in your bedroom and uh, you're actually downstairs by the kitchen and I was so annoyed at Ben for this and like threw him out my house and didn't speak to him for ages just because he told her that I didn't have a phone in my bedroom but it is a crucial betrayal because a phone in your bedroom in those days was like gold dust hardly anyone knew had that without that you had to do what most of us did and conduct these romantic conversations just in a public (laughs) thoroughfare in your house in the hallway yeah, uh, <laughs> we had MSN for that. I think I might have just 
gone past you're younger the than us yeah phone calls in the hallways we had msn which meant that you could appear offline and then appear online again to kind of nudge perspective crushes into remembering that you existed didn't work ah. i'm older than both of you there was absolutely there were none of these sort of sneaky anonymous shortcuts <laughs> you just quite literally had to stand by your front door dial a six digit number and then say is claire there there is no subtlety <laughs> to it <laughs> um at that point or i suppose at any point sort of in your developmental years who were the men that you were looking up to well, I, it's weird, like, because on TV, you know, it was people like Noel Edmonds, which is such a weird... They've never weird... had that before. <laughs> I did think to myself then that I've never have had this, but it was like Noel Edmonds and Bruce Forsyth, because what I liked about them is that they were such entertainers. Mm. And, you know, I would watch Noel's house party and Noel would be really funny and he would be masculine in times. Like, you know, he would keep order of things and he would really go at Mr. Blobby. But then also <laughs> in the next scene, he'd be dressed up as a woman and dancing around, you know, uh, being silly. I do sort of get what you mean. There was a total confidence to someone like Noel in his house party environment because as you say absolutely anything went and there was no real sense of toxic masculinity around that show it was there was a whole tradition of stupid Saturday night entertainers like that I mean they're not stupid but prepared to be stupid for which does sort of transcend men do this women do that type stuff doesn't it because uh, and they're both good examples actually if you get to the level of Edmunds or the late Forsyth where Mm. Everyone loves you and you're just larking about them. As you say, you can put on a dress or just do... St- I mean, Bruce wouldn't have done that, but it is interesting. I don't think I looked up to those people actively in the same way, but I definitely I found something really aspirational about that type of man because it's like, yeah. they're not really trying to be anything. People just love whatever they do. This guy can have a sort of nine-foot wobbling pink character as his sidekick who doesn't make any sense and who inexplicably has now had a number one hit single <laughs> and some people will be too young yes. to remember Mr Blobby but yeah, all yeah, I can yeah. say is don't hurry to Google it, it was, uh, <laughs> don't watch late clips just before you go to sleep That's why it, it was a regrettable period of our TV history in some ways but you're right I think that all of those sort of Mr Saturday Night characters have you can even say it about McIntyre I think among our contemporaries like he's not particularly masculine or particularly camp. He just exists in a space of, I'm Michael McIntyre and I'm going to do what I want. And that's probably why a comedian is an aspirational thing, because if you're successful enough, you can just do your thing. For me, it was just people who were commanding an audience. Yeah. And, you know, and it didn't matter about, you know, campness as well, because, you know, like I remember seeing Christopher Biggins in Panto and just being like, I want to be him. Like, I remember him sort of, you know, coming out, and again, I'm going to show off with an impression, but, you know, he'd come out to the stage and, you know, good evening, boys and girls. And, he, and, and I remember he had this joke was, like, I, um, I, I used to be addicted to Panto, but now it's behind me. And, uh, and like, I just found this, like, an incredible... I laughed, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's brilliant. You're the dream audience for a pantomime, Michael. Oh, my God, I absolutely... And I was just like, I, he's my idol. When I was, like, six. I remember even, like, I wanted to be a girl a bit, but I think I just wanted to sort of just dress up lots and mm. and be different and challenge what you should be like and you know when everyone was playing with action man i was playing with sylvanian families mm. uh, when you're that age you don't think oh i shouldn't be doing this especially because i uh, my sister Suze, you might know as well yeah as a, a, another comedian and but i play with her toys and i just because i just liked it but i suppose those figures like you say, Mark, they were just challenging all those things. They weren't like Piers Brosnan or Arnold Schwarzenegger. They weren't these kind of traditional masculine men. But I found them, they were the people I aspired to be like. Yeah, Noah's house party would have been very different if it had been Schwarzenegger, I think. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> every time there's a ring at the doorbell, he just goes with an Uzi and blasts them away. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. It's an interesting thing, Luke, because we've had quite a lot of gay 
guests and they often talk about I wanted to play with Slovenian families I wanted to do the stuff the girls were doing and it becomes a sort of so uh, what's a what's a Slovenian family I just can't bear how young you are Michael I can't bear it yes we used to play with a little Slovenian family (laughs) I mean you can't do that these days can you these days you've been very helpful (laughs) actually yeah Slovenian families, Michael, well, actually, I'm pretty sure kids still do play with them, although it would be a slightly retro thing. But basically, they were little families of little animals. So it's like having a doll's house, but the dolls were animals, essentially. A bit like a Tamagotchi, but like in person. Yeah. I suppose that's one way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, I'm too old, personally, to think everything is digital and then extrapolate outwards from that. <laughs> when I was growing up, most entities were physical bodies, but yes. <laughs> If you will, imagine a series of analogue Tamagotchis living in what we used to call a house, which was sort of like a a Mac, but not with computer bits in it. Analogue Tamagotchi needs to be the title of a comedy show from you, please, at some point in the future. But yeah, I suppose what I was going to say was we've spoken to lots of gay people who the desire to do that girly stuff and was kind of a, an indicator that they were perhaps going to be. But then there were quite a lot of us who wanted to do some girl stuff w- without actually wanting to see yourself as gay. And that was a weird space to be in as well. Like I often felt girls had better conversations or there were films that I wasn't allowed to watch because they were four girls. Or Oh, I've had a memory. What was that? A memory of a film. I lied to my parents about going to the cinema and I told them I was going to go and see Million Dollar Baby, but actually I went to see Monster-in-Law featuring J-Lo and Jane Fonda. <laughs> it's a great film to be there. <laughs> and, and I That's got great. home and mum said, oh, what was the film like? And I was like, oh, really good. And she was like, what was it about? And I was like, oh, like a really expensive infant. <laughs> <laughs> like, still haven't seen it to this day, couldn't tell you. Sorry for interrupting, but just like an eruption of memory. Yeah, basically I think there is a kind of, there's another school of like heterosexual men who we haven't spoken to that much in this podcast who mm. felt like without necessarily wanting to actually have sex with boys, you wanted to have some of the perceived perks of being a girl. Definitely. It was. And I, yes, I think it's interesting to say about sort of girls' conversation and things like that. Or just, I remember I looked up to boys and still do to a degree. It's more sort of older men now. You know, I, I look up to older men as sort of father figures quite often. I'm sort of often grabbing father figures quite quickly. But I remember even when I was at school, just like seeing lads three years above me and no I didn't I didn't want to go and kiss them but I just was like I just want to be you You're so, and, and, and they were often mm. very masculine I remember this one guy he had like this hair it was like curtains but he would like gel them so they would it would look like a spider around his head and I copied it and I just wanted to be I mean he looked like he was probably a horrible piece of work you know the complete embodiment of toxic masculinity and he was always going out with the most attractive popular girl but I just sort of looked at him and that was probably a lot to do with it but I just looked and go, oh my God, I want to be you. And then I used to be in musicals and I was in Les Miserables in the West End um, and I understudied Gareth Gates. And Gareth is about four years older than me. And again, I just sort of just wanted to be him. Like, and sort of just became sort of obsessed with him and looked up to him. Just looked at him and was like, he's so cool. He wears the coolest trainers and he's, he's got such an attitude. And I, I just want to be him. And I, and I, yeah. I don't know if I've ever, sh- maybe I have shaken that off now. I don't know. And that's not exactly a father figure thing, is it? It's more like an older brother type yeah. longing or something maybe it's just trying to be a more masculine version of myself yeah i was about to ask that question it feels quite a lot of the time when you think about masculinity you're kind of looking at others and comparing yourself against them and being like oh i'd love to be that i'd love to be that what do you think your version of masculinity is it's quite a hard question i suppose it's weird because i actually think <laughs> this yeah i'll say this and then you won't have to do the podcast ever again oh cool. <laughs> it'll be done we're gonna fix it right because now. my thing is like 
I think having my daughter, and I know it's cliche to say when you have kids, it changes your life, but it just feels like there isn't a need for there to be a title of masculinity. And I feel like I've worried about it and worried what kind of dad I should be and worried, am I masculine enough? And then I'm just like, actually, it doesn't really matter. Like, I think, as I mentioned earlier, like, as long as you love the people around you, like, that's kind of all that matters. And no, I'm not very good at putting shelves up, but why should that be a masculine job? I would rather not be the one that takes the bins out, but it happens to be my job. Like, I, I, I sort of don't think there is a thing as masculinity. Do you think if the kid was a boy or if you went on to have a boy, you would feel differently would you feel a bit more pressure then to conform to specific masculine roles it's funny because you know when people say you know do you want to have a boy or a girl i a little bit inside me was like i'd quite like to have a boy i'd like i'd like that and i'd like to sort of give him the kind of treatment that i kind of wish i'd had had as as a young lad but now i've had a girl i'm very glad (laughs) because i think i'd feel so much pressure uh, if i had a son and i can't Imagine what that's like, actually, because I think I don't I, I'd be scared to be a role model. Like, what am I going to teach him? All the lyrics to Hamilton, you know, which I will. Um, but, you it's know, a start. It, you know <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I think I would feel differently. I think it's great having a girl because it actually takes a lot of that pressure away. No, I think I do feel quite a bit of pressure. Yeah, like, I've got one, one of each now, but the, the first one was a boy. And he's now old enough that he recognisably has some of my traits. And also I just can see the vulnerability of and remember that vulnerability from my own teenagers. So th- there's no doubt. I mean, there's pressure attached to any sort of parenting. But yeah, I reckon not a bad idea to have a girl first and kind of get that on the yeah. board, like build up some of the core skills and have <laughs> yeah, a go at being yeah. a male role model when you've already got one on the scoreboard. But in the same way as well, like, I'm not, I know it's many years away, but my intention is not to be like, like the dad that is horrible to her when she brings a boyfriend home and like, oh, you ain't going out like yeah. that. And it's and I, I very much don't want to be like that at all. And very much I don't think you will be, Luke. <laughs> yeah, they'd laugh and beat me up when I tried <laughs> exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> I'm the same. I've got no worries about becoming that dad because there's absolutely no way I'll have enough status to do that. In the first place. <laughs> and I'd quite like to be as progressive as possible and just sort of, you know, talking about uh, masculinity. And, and, you know, we had a conversation the other day uh, sort of about how open we would be about talking about periods and, and things like that. And I'd like to be as open as we possibly can be so it doesn't feel like... Like, you know, there's anything wrong talking about that kind of thing in the family. Do you worry at all about having a daughter in the world of toxic masculinity? Yeah, I do. I do, especially with social media and things like TikTok and Instagram and stuff that you just... It is like, because yeah. when I was growing up, you know, yes, it was all in magazines, like Loaded and Nuts and Zoo. And it was lots of, you know, that was just chucked at you all the time was girls, you know, dressing as sexy as possible and, and everything looking like we're up for sex. We're always up for sex, just so you know. But you rarely met those girls, did you? Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, you never met them. It's weird because you read about them and they were like, no, they really, there was a thing called High Street Honeys. Yeah, I remember and, that. Uh, <laughs> and they were like, oh, they, awful. I didn't even read these magazines, but you just by osmosis, you could not help being exposed to them you're right and i remember us talking i'm like yeah like look she goes to tiger tiger in leeds let's go to tiger and tiger in leeds because these girls are there but the trouble is i worry that i think it's 50 million times worse now because on instagram it is yeah. it's just chucked to you all the time in amongst sort of you know arsenal memes and and you know joe roots 100 for england it's lots of girls 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 girls, girls. and i just i don't want my i'd hate for my daughter to feel oh that's what i need to do because that's what people want mm. is for me to look sexy and me to look suggestive and i i don't know i don't know if that's the right attitudes to have or the right opinions have but i that has gone through my head of like oh i just 
I just don't want that to be a world where you think that's what you need to do. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly what social media will be like when our kids are another 15 years on is <laughs> difficult to yeah, imagine, isn't indeed. it? Indeed. I guess the question sort of leading from that is um, is a big one. And I'm hoping you can fix this for us, Luke. Um, it's been an ongoing okay, yep. issue. How do we stop that? <sighs> Come on, mate. Now. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> we have started the timer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's difficult because you need the men to not want it. Mm. It's all of that content. And that's never going to happen. And you don't want to sort of say, oh, if you want to produce that kind of content on social media, then you're a bad person for doing that. You don't want to say that to women. Mm. So I don't know. I don't know how you sort of change that. So no, sorry, can't help you there. No, <laughs> so I tried. Maybe next week. When we get you on as a barber, we'll ask him and see if he can. <laughs> he probably has got better ideas. Than he but again, he's proved a very difficult guest to nail down. <laughs> Even though he's got his own podcast with Springsteen, I've offered to be on that in exchange, but uh, as a sort of bargaining chip. But even that doesn't seem to have opened the door yet. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I do think there's something in what you're saying, though, in that like, I think we need to look at aspirational solutions to this problem of toxic masculinity. And I think some of that comes in looking at masculinity in different forms and in different ways and saying you can be masculine in a myriad different ways if you want to be. Yeah. And I also think it's important to recognize things that might not change so quickly, like the fact that men do, in the most part, consume that media rapaciously. We can't do much about that. So we need to find ways to change perhaps the media and change their perspectives. And I think a lot about resolving that problem is probably around looking at where we are realistically now and looking at where we could be realistically in five years, perhaps, and just breaking it down a little bit. What we found really inspiring, not speaking for you, Mark, but listening to people talking on this podcast is there's so many different, so many different ways of interpreting the idea of masculinity, but also 
almost every single person we've spoken to hasn't felt like they've fitted in. And we've spoken to quite a broad spectrum of people. But this is the point, though, isn't it? Is that I think mm. if you've got everyone in the world to come on your podcast... Which, in the end, we will. Which is the goal, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Everyone would have... Like, it's actually probably not surprising that everyone goes, actually, I've got this issue, actually, I've got this issue, actually, we don't. And we've all got these foibles. It's that thing if everyone brought their problems to the one place, you'd all go back with your same problems. And, and I think that's mm. the trouble with boys is... And that's like what... And I'd be interested to see what you think, Mark, we you know with a 12-year-old. But it's like, it's at that age that I... I don't think anyone could have explained it to me but if i'd have known oh do you know what like everyone's worried about stuff even that boy that even horseradish boy <laughs> is worried about something you know and like mm-hmm. you're like no he can't be because he's so strong he's so masculine what has he got to worry about but everyone's yeah. got something again i think that education is definitely improving in this regard my son has you know uh, lessons about specifically about uh what you should do in various emotional territory sometimes he just comes and say, what did you learn today and it'd be like um if there's a girl you like, but she's smoking, you shouldn't start her just because of that. Which, <laughs> you know, even that is progress on what we learned yeah. at school, which is basically do whatever it takes to get the girl. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think they they have people come in now. The closest we had to lessons about personal development were literally just these are your balls, and this is what's going to happen oh, to you. No. Yeah. Uh, and, and the girls were in a separate classroom for those, of course. Yeah. I think mm. now there is there's more of a climate of treating personal and emotional development and social understanding as its own subject rather than stealthing it into assemblies and stuff like that. I do think that education takes it more seriously now. So I feel like this lot of 12-year-olds are being given the tools to deal with stuff much better than... It depends on the school, probably. But and that's sort of what, like what Michael said. You can't just change men. You have to change the influences yes, and, and yes. see what happens to men, I suppose. But mm. uh, I won't know until the kid is sort of in his 20s whether it worked and not going to therapy yeah, yeah. i'll still go to therapy i expect <laughs> yeah 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 because by then everyone will yeah 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 but i think as well like even things like this podcast and things like people talking you know I, i'm a presenter on a show called steph's pat lunch and we we talk yeah. about this kind of stuff quite a lot and i think that's definitely changed like you yeah. know that wasn't like that when i was growing up and even as i was a as a teenager anything i was consuming mm. never had men talking about that kind of thing and, uh, you know we talked about how there's a stigma attached to men that they're not allowed to cry or be vulnerable and i think we see a lot of that a lot more even in tv shows you know men crying and and stuff and so i think that's good and can only help even if it's just small changes happening yeah Yeah, for sure so what you're saying is this podcast actually is a game changer yeah 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 it's the start of healing the problem thank you mr president (laughs) (laughs) so the last question we always ask which you will have heard before is uh, about three qualities you would build into a boy um to survive in not just survive, sorry, to thrive in this world. What would you build in? I've written down six. Um, so shall I just pick three? This is the sort of homework we want <laughs> guests to put in. This is impressive. Pick three and then you can pass the three on to the next lazy guest we have. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the first time someone's brought a long list of these. Yeah. Very impressive. <laughs> I hope you've got a couple of hours free. Um, so I've written down patient, selfless, kind, driven... Fun, loving. Very nice. Driven stands out there among the the softer sounding qualities. And maybe you need a a sort of admixture of both of them. So, I mean, I think that, okay, if I'm picking the main three, I think patient, selfless and driven. Yeah, you want one in there that is uh, more active than... Yes. It's hard to be 
selfless without being kind. And I think they do kind of feed into yeah, each other, but I, Driven does stand out separate. Likewise, patience and kindness are uh, yes, kind yes. of related to something. But Driven is something no one's said before. Can you talk, talk mm. us through that a bit? Because I think I would like my sort of, all I want to achieve in life is to fulfil my potential. I feel confident I have a lot of potential and sometimes I really do fulfill it and sometimes I feel like I let myself down. So I feel like fulfilling my potential is all you can do in life, whether that's within your relationships, within your work, uh, within being nice to the person that served you your coffee, just fulfill your potential. And I think that being driven is part of that. And I would like if I was building a man, I feel like I want to see someone that is driven because I feel like that is an inspiring quality in somebody than someone who's lazy, who does the bare minimum, uh, who turns up late, you know, all these things. I just feel like they're not, that's not being driven. Yeah, I find that interesting because there is a sort of, maybe stigma, not quite the word, but we tend to underrate that as a quality, I think. If somebody's openly ambitious and wants to get where they're going and all this, there is a sort of British suspicion of that, that you're certainly yeah. not allowed to voice it, even if it's true. I remember getting told when I was at drama school, we had this lesson where we were split into pairs and you were to walk around the room and you were to tell someone something about them that you didn't like. And it was like, it was so horrible. Yeah. Oh. And uh, someone said to me, I don't like that you put your hand up first <laughs> and you always, you don't let other people have a go. Mm. And I've never forgotten it. Like, and I was told that when I was like 18. But I still to this day think they're wrong <laughs> because I feel like that is being driven and I'm not going, no, no one else can have a go. It's like, right, who wants to get up and go and have a go at Northern Irish accent? Me, I'll have a go. That sounds great to me. You know, so like I'm just yeah. I'm just someone that like wants to have a go, you know, and, and wants to be driven. Yeah, but I, I think it, combining that with the idea of being selfless as yeah, well, exactly. kind of, it tempers it, doesn't it? It tempers it from being overconfident. That's yeah. why I've got it there, you see? The short list works. The Thank short you, list. Michael. It does, actually. It does. If more people <laughs> put this much sort of thought into whittling it down, we might be onto something. <laughs> and I think patience is such a thing in, in men that, that I'd like to be a bit more patient, you know, especially like if I'm printer's not working i can get very angry at a printer um you know and i just feel like a, a bit of patience if i was building a man i just wish he had a bit more patience i'd like a i think patience. most people would agree that printers are ourselves though to be fair <laughs> yeah, they are. oh 100 i think printers might separate ages as well because most of my contemporaries don't have one what we don't have one uh, the, the, yeah, again know, is that Luke, a... you'll know this comes up about three of these come up per episode <laughs> <laughs> no printers no sylvanian families probably no nuts or loaded magazine yeah yeah <laughs> Oh, Certainly no Mr. Blobby. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, Luke. That's been amazing. Where can people find you? If you want them to find you, obviously. Well, well he does because he's driven. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but selfless, so he might be like, no. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and patient, so you don't have to find him quickly. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to buy tickets to my tour, up to you. No pressure. Um, but no, I actually, my tour is actually called Macho Macho Man, and I'm talking about masculinity all the way through the show. Um, and it's. Uh, yeah, so if people enjoy this podcast, then they definitely they, would be interested. They absolutely. Yeah. Will. So, so uh, if you go to lukekepner.com, uh, I'm going to Edinburgh and, and there's lots of dates uh, at the back end of the, of the year. And uh, yeah, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter and all that sort of thing. Lovely. What's your handle? Is it just your name? At Luke Kempner. That does the trick. It does the trick. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much, Luke. We'll yes. see you soon. Thanks yeah. a lot, Luke. And as promised, as always, that was Luke. Uh, a very interesting conversation and nice, nice to hear from a straight person every so often. They are so often neglected, aren't they, Mark? Oh, we have a, a pretty tough time of it, yeah. And you're right, as <laughs> promised is, is accurate. It's very rare that we 
don't give them a podcast once we've said we are. We're really good at that. Well, we are, we are really good at it now. There was a time when we weren't, but, um, but we have improved. Anyway, um, Mark, now you're back in the country, how can people find you, um, should you wish for them to find you, not in terms of postcode and things? Yeah, I probably won't go into as much detail as that. But um, <laughs> Well, I now uh, take, up the, uh, take up the tour in the UK once again. And, um, I mean, basically, just Google me and you'll find... Um, among all the misinformation, of course, and the um, regrettable images from years gone by, you'll find any number of tour dates. Uh, I say any number, it's in the 70s, I think, and it's from now until sort of September. So it would be difficult for you to fail to watch um, a show of mine if that is what you want in your heart. And the misinformation didn't, wasn't it with Rick's episode back in season one where we worked out Wikipedia had you placed as two ages? Was that right? Uh, there are quite a lot of odd things about me on the internet, yes, but um, I don't think that many of the tour dates are fictitious. So I, I still recommend the internet <laughs> with all the usual caveat as a good way of um, finding me and finding the future dates of Luke, of course. Yes, he has a tour called Macho Macho Man, which has a couple of dates uh, in the summer, but mainly in the autumn. So do go look him up. He is great fun. And I think you've also um, released some Edinburgh information for Impatient Productions, haven't you, Mark? We have all sorts of shows newly on sale um, for The Fringe. Yes, um, some for me, but an awful lot of other comedians as well. Um, Those people who uh, subscribe to the newsletter will be aware of that. But if not, just um, yeah, go on the Impatient website. This is if you're thinking of going to Edinburgh or or if you could be sort of swayed into going. Um, And uh, you'll see... Yeah, quite a lot of exciting shows you can potentially look at. As well as some uh, past and future guests, I imagine, as well as two exciting words, which you won't elaborate on, but Menkind Live. Ooh. Yeah, no real need to elaborate Ooh. on that. Um, we'll talk a little bit Ooh. more about that in the weeks to come, <laughs> I suppose. Uh, for you to even yes. get as far as Edinburgh, of course, you have to survive the uh, swan song of Little Mix, which you've already put yourself through <laughs> once, but now you're going back to revisit. I did accidentally fall on my computer and buy VIP tickets to next weekend. Um, perhaps we'll do a Patreon exclusive where we share my, my live reactions to the events. Spoiler, it'll just be crying um, as Mark desperately flounders and tries to find some way to, to calm me down. <laughs> well, crying is how you um, launched this podcast, Michael. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Uh, right, before we go, if you would like to follow us, please do so at Menkind Podcast on all the socials. Email us at menkindpodcast at gmail.com. And please give us reviews. It's always nice to hear how lovely we are. And handsome, actually, if you want to put that in as well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I agree. I just worry that if we kind of, if we now get a review that says how great we are and specifically how handsome, it's going to feel a bit like fishing for it. So I don't know. I worry that we're, sometimes we're leaning on them too hard. Oh, at this point, Mark, I'll take what I can get. All right. Well, good luck with Little Mitch once again, Michael. <laughs> and uh, we'll see everybody next week. We'll see you all then. Bye. 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.